Welcome to a Story That Works podcast, where we're going to write stories, share our work, and show you that if you want to write, all it takes is figuring out your own process. So go do the work, get your stories on the page, and confidently share them. Hi, I'm Rebecca. And I'm Caitlin. And this week we're going to talk about while we were writing, what came up, what happened, if our stories worked for us, if they didn't, how we completed them I guess yes ma'am <laughs> <laughs> we sure are we sure are you sounded very southern there <laughs> anyways Caitlin what? Caitlin what? Caitlin <laughs> what do you want how can you write something unique something that isn't cliche while following like this structure like a structure that will result in an actual story right because I've struggled with in the at least the last story that I wrote which was decent like I liked the writing behind it but it didn't involve character choice or change it was just sort of this here's grief and here's this person struggling with grief Mm -hmm. and this time around I tried to do something that was more story structure so it came off as more story and we'll see whether or not that worked when we read our writing but I really struggled with not being cliche in the process. How do you deal with that? Do you have... What do do you mean by cliche in the process? So like your typical story structure that I've been studying. Let's go back to my original idea. The ice cream truck driver hits a kid. Mm -hmm. Dark and creepy. I didn't want to go there. It's fine. So for that example, the story itself, if the inciting incident is that the, the ice cream truck driver hits the kid... That climax is then, okay, is he, I mean, you could, you could look at the scale of like justice. Is he found guilty? You could look at the scale of like morality. Does he come clean or how does he deal with that? But in either case, it sort of feels like your story is laid out for you. And that Mm -hmm. scares me a little bit. Like, okay, here's this laid out story. Now I have to go spend my time writing it, even though I already know what's going to happen. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Well, it's kind of like when you go watch or like a romantic comedy, mm-hmm. like you, I, I mean, you know how it's going to end mm-hmm. before you even see it. Of course. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, kind of. I, but in the process of writing it, because I love suspending my disbelief and I love stories. So even though I go to a Marvel movie and I know the heroes are going to win, I know that it's about the journey and I'm I'm on that journey and I'm happy to watch it. But yeah. then stepping back as the writer, as the creator, like finding an end to the story that's unique, that hasn't really been done before. I don't know. I really struggled with that. Like in my story, this this little girl asks this, well, she doesn't really ask him, but she follows this guy around and, and he fixes her toy for her, which has probably been done a million times, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know if it works. I have no idea. But I I did really struggle as the writer with trying to write in a structure that ended up in a story or in the form of a story. So you know how the whole this whole project sort of came about because you were like, I don't like story structure. Yeah. (laughs) What I've noticed about each and every one of your stories is that even though you don't buy into, quote unquote, the story structure stuff, you basically follow it to a T. Like, I could pinpoint all the five commandments StoryGrid talks about in each of your stories and how they progressively complicate and how they fulfill that standard story structure. 
which is really hilarious to me because you don't think like that and it just sort of comes that way into your head. Yeah, I'm just that smart. You are. I guess, subconsciously. I heard, I can't remember if I listened to it or I read it or whatever. Oh, I heard it today about there are two ways to study and become a writer. And the first is you take the path that I did and you go study poetics and Aristotle and all the books that teach you you know, structure and things like that. And the second, which you also need to do if you study structure, is to study stories. And in my head, that means to go and like, you know, here's all these elements and write it down. And in your head, you're just like, oh, I didn't like that. Let me think about it. And why didn't I like it? And stuff like that. And so I think you're intuitively gaining a sense of the research that I've been doing without having to do it on the same level as I have. And so I know you probably don't think about like a set story structure and that you probably don't worry about being cliche because you're just writing a story and it just comes to you. Mm -hmm. But I do. I really do struggle with that. I really, at least in this case, because I was trying to come at the story in a way that I wanted it to come off as a story and I didn't just want to write and, and let it go because obviously that's not worked as well as I would like it to. Previously, I just, I did really struggle with, okay, how do I make this unique? And maybe the answer is that I have to find the characters. You know, maybe, maybe I have to really figure out who they are and what makes them tick because they're going to make certain choices in a certain way that's different than anybody else. But I sort of felt like it was like, okay, this story takes place in space, but why? It doesn't really matter that it's in space except that the popsicle's floating and that's cool. Mm -hmm. So what happened didn't really connect as much I don't know we'll get to that in the editing but I don't know what I'm trying to say just I really struggled with trying to structure it on a cognitive level and not just on that story instinctual level so what did you struggle with with this piece at all anything oh it was I mean it was very different from what I normally do and there wasn't like specific plot points to follow it was just very simple and I'm like so like the whole like idea of a choice is always in my head now because of you. <laughs> and so I get stressed out when it's not super obvious. And I think that it's much easier for me, like when there are super high stakes and it's all fantasy and aliens. Um, and this was all very simplified. And I think I, I mean, for this story, like I wanted to maybe not wanted to, but just, it felt more natural to focus on the writing itself rather than like, cause I hated writing the last story so much because it was just like describing actions. And that's always, that's never been my favorite part of writing. I like more like internal monologues and dialogue and it's real simple scenes because then you can really. Well, I sort of, okay, maybe this is what I was getting at. That it sort of feels wooden. When you know what's going to happen and you are like describing the motions of it, it doesn't yeah. feel real in a sense. Yeah. So you relate to that at least a little bit? Like, I don't know. I guess I guess so. <laughs> I just don't like writing scenes where all I have to do is describe what's happening. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely know that. The thing is falling out of the sky and we have to go see what it is. And then we see what it is. And then this happens. And blah, 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 blah. How does that, like, so the construction of that story 
like how did it end up being that you just had to follow those steps was it did you struggle with it because you already knew okay this is what's happening or did you struggle with it because you didn't know what was going to happen and sort of that's what came out I think I struggled with it just because like to me there's nothing interesting about I know we talked about the escapism no like it's just like events that don't need to be I don't know I don't know like I don't like okay, we see something fall and we have to go run and look at it. Like, I hate writing that because, like, everybody knows what it's like to go run and look at something. Yeah. Like, there's, it's just, it's very, like, mechanical. I have to write this down so you know that it happened. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, do you think that you could have structured it or constructed it, I guess, in a way that was more like you didn't have to describe the steps to get to it? Like you were already there, like starting in Medias Reis, as they say, like with your character already seeing that event, like would that have made it any different for you? I mean, maybe. Okay. It's definitely, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess you'll never know if, unless you like try and rewrite it or, or whatever. So did this story end up being easier for you to write than the last one? Because I know the last one was like pulling teeth. And the one before that, you were writing like a paragraph or a sentence at a time. But in a good way. Yeah. So how was this one different? I mean, I like find that flow really easily when it's a lot of narration Mm. and a very little action. Okay. Which is what this story was. So it was much easier for me to write. Because I just don't like writing action scenes. I just don't. I find and... it really challenging to get the... Like, I like... I prefer writing the narration as well. But I find it challenging to make it end up like a story when I'm only writing. Yeah, and not just like a retelling. Yeah. 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 How did you deal with that? Well, I think this story was easy just because, like, it's a story and things are happening. But it's very simple. Mm. And you can kind of, like allow the reader to fill in the blanks like we're at a birthday party you we're at a kid's birthday party and like you know a lot of the parameters that go along with that because everybody's been to a kid's birthday party yeah you know and it's like walking into the kitchen you don't have to be like I walked into the kitchen because everybody knows that you can just simply walk into your kitchen Mm -hmm. so there was a lot less focus on the actions because the actions were very simple it's yeah. a birthday party. We forgot the cake, and now we need to eat popsicles. That's the story. Yeah. And everything that makes the story what it is is all inner monologue and dialogue, which is where I've always felt that I was the strongest. Yeah, and I find that really interesting because I'm I read a book called Meander Spiral Explode, and I'm reading one now called Making Shapely Fiction, and it talks all about the different sort of structures that fiction and stories can take. Because I talk about, you know, story grid and the five commandments and everything, and your last two stories were very much in that structure where it's this classic wave structure. It's very much Freytag's Pyramid, and that's not at all really in, like, the feminine side of things. Like, you have the hero's journey versus the virgin's promise, those kinds of other examples. I find it fascinating because, to some extent, what I wrote last time was not a story, quote-unquote, but it sort of is like a character description. It's like this... Like, she needed to make a choice, sure, but there's something to it that I 
probably could get away with keeping some of that structure as is without changing everything about it to turn it into something that still feels like a story but doesn't have to have the classic wave structure like you would normally find. And I guess I find that comforting because not that, you know, I don't want to have successful stories, but I still want to be able to find them in my own way. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't want to feel pressured because even though this story came out okay and I don't hate it, I still felt very pressured to try and get it into your classic Five Commandments sort of structure. And that, I guess, is probably what felt wooden or forced or cliche, however you want to describe it to me, that I was trying to do this certain thing without letting my own style be brought to the page. I don't know. I know you don't do as much studying as I do, but do you have (laughs) any thoughts about, like, how how is a story meant to be written? Does that ever kind of come up into your writing? It, you have this intuitive sense of the wave structure because that's, I guess, how most of the stories in media play out. But do you ever think about things structurally as, as something different? What? <laughs> do you ever think about different structures in your writing? Like playing with the idea of that choice, you know, not being in your in your, where it's quote-unquote typically found in a story. You probably don't. You probably have no idea what I'm talking about because you don't study story structure. You just kind of intuit it. But for example, okay, in your first story, the the crisis question, the, the question that the character, the goblin character comes up against is what does she do about this woman? And we find out why she does it, you know, the the stubborn silence and everything that speaks to her for some reason. But that is, like, that choice doesn't happen right away. We get a lot up until that point, and that's what we typically will find, and this is not the case with every story, is that the beginning will be 25%, the middle will be 50%, and the ending will be 25%. And that's just, I mean, you could try to write a story that way, or you can write a story and have it come out that way intuitively. I don't know. That's, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, do you ever consider at any point, at any level, the structure? Or does it just kind of play out in your head and you use similar structures with different stories? Or would you say your structures are completely different? I don't know what I'm getting at. I don't know if you have anything to say to that. No. (laughs) So so when you approach a book, like when you read a book and you want to study it because you like it or you want to know, like, what do you ask yourself? What do you say? Like, like, how do you figure out how the book is working if you don't look at any sort of structure? Do you even consider like beginning, middle, end or? No, <laughs> I no, no, I just I don't know. That's so no, weird. no, that's so weird. I, you don't have to like I. I mean, it doesn't bother me any that you don't, except that maybe people are going to be sick of hearing me talk. But, but like, for example, okay, Daughter of Smoke and Bone. Uh-huh. That is, it has a clear beginning, middle, and end. Like, there are irreversible points where you can't go back, right? They crack the wishbone. You can't go back to before you crack the wishbone. But what's interesting is that the end of that book, after they crack the wishbone, is actually the beginning of the story. Like, did you ever think about, like, that at all? Or were you just like, this is a great story. It's awesome. (laughs) 
Yeah, pretty much. Really? Oh my gosh, yeah. that's crazy. Do you have anything to say about it, like, now that you know that? Or are you just like, I don't care, that doesn't matter, like, that? The, it's a good story, so. No, yeah, like, yeah, no. That's fascinating. Okay, so I'm going to change the subject before I get too down the story structure hole that you don't care about at all, <laughs> which is totally okay. So let's get back to talking about like this piece and writing this piece. I don't know about you, but I, I really struggled with this. I felt like I had no grip to it. I mean, for weeks and weeks and weeks, I just was like, something will come trying to play. Mm -hmm. a, I'm Caitlin. Something's going to come to me. <laughs> yeah. And so I ended up like I had nothing and nothing I really wanted to say, nothing like to speak about in this piece, you know, because we've talked about themes, like how do you approach this? I had to come back to the, the character, like I said, but I was watching Aaron Sorkin's Masterclass, which he, I mean, he's brilliant. He's a screenwriter in case you don't know, but he advised writers to think about intention and obstacle. Uh, so, like, what does your character want and what gets in their way, which basically creates the conflict. Mm -hmm. I think what goes along with that is sort of the stakes. Like, what does your character stand to lose if they don't get what they want? But it really got me thinking about, like, that's why I analyzed what an everyman was. That's how I came to my story. Like, the goals of who this person was. Because an archetype is, you know, it's an archetype. It's not, it's a role. It's not a character. And so that's why I or that's how I came to this guy who's decidedly not Stuart Kriegelman and just kept writing and trying to figure out who he was and what was really funny for me is that I had a lot of ideas at the very beginning that I just was sort of like I don't know how that fits in and then when I was really like down to the wire of I have to write this story who is this guy and what's going on with him a lot of the things that I had written I was like oh that is him he is this guy who just wants to fit in Nobody knows his name. Everybody gets his name wrong. And those are some like fundamental things that really are throughout this piece that I think was really, it was surprising for me. Did anything like about writing this piece or about writing in general, I guess, if you have nothing to say about this one, you know, since I'm striking out with questions here, like, was there anything that surprised you about writing this? Um, I don't know what an everyman is. <laughs> For did, sure. Did you feel like you needed to? I mean. Like now I that you're like, done, do you feel I, like you. I feel like I was going to do it no matter what. Like I was like. I, right. Like I this know. idea popped into your head and so you're not going to not write it. Yeah. I feel like that's almost kind of how you have to go. Whether you've got. Like, unless you're doing what I do, like the NYC Midnight Challenges, or you've got a, a piece on contract that you have to write a certain way. Like, if you set out to write something and you write something completely different, at least you're writing. Yeah. Are you frustrated with the way that you're, like, because you don't know, you didn't know what an everyman was, does that, like, worry you about your story? Or are you just kind of like, well, screw it, I don't care? I mean, a little bit of both. Like, I definitely want to, like... I don't want to be like, I'm just going to do whatever I want. Like, I want to stick to the plot, or not the plot, the prompt. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, but I also feel like it's up for interpretation. Yeah, I think it totally like is. Like, if you, if you want to interpret it a certain way, because, I don't know, I like to challenge ideas, I guess, and challenge the way, because I don't, the way things typically are mm -hmm. in stories. 
I just, I really like taking risks. Like I'm talking like I don't know how to speak English, <laughs> but I don't know. I like the idea of like uprooting expectations and taking risks and taking chances. And I guess I kind of took a chance and I, maybe you could interpret it as being an every man or maybe you're like, girl, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I like the story for something that was written very quickly and <laughs> um well not all of it i had i wrote a little bit at a time but most of it was written quickly that's okay nothing wrong with that i almost think it's better because you just you reach a place where you just i gotta get it done and you stop overthinking it too much yeah I don't know. Anything different that came up this time, like during the process of writing this? I think it's always interesting to decide what point of view I'm going to write from. Because I used to be very, very, like, I loved first person present. Mm -hmm. Like, that was my thing. And I loved reading it. And then I read The Raven Cycle. And I just loved that third person. Just felt so eloquent and and like what's the word feels like crisp it's well put together it's it just felt it felt very poised okay is it present tense or is it past I don't remember okay I always find third person present tense a strange read for me I don't know why I prefer first person present or third person past past yeah same but I don't like I don't know if that's anything that you really have to do. It's just sort of a personal preference maybe. Mm -hmm. So it's always interesting to decide what I'm going to do. And I think this one was very obvious to be first person. The last one that I wrote could have gone either way. I don't know. I like third person now, unless it's like the story very much calls for first person. I feel like first person to me now reads is very like remedial, not remedial, but like, and it's not like it as much. Well, it's easier to get into a character's head. Mm -hmm. When you're in first person, because you can do those thoughts that way. I've, I've always preferred third person just because you have, I don't know, I feel like it's a little bit more of a challenge, maybe. Yeah. There's just something to it. But I have found that I have seeped in a little bit into the first person side of things in some, in some stories recently. And yeah. That, I don't know. I think I still prefer third, but I think there's also something to letting the story kind of determine what it should be, what it wants to be, who the character yeah. is. So I also think if you're writing in a like a kid's perspective, that's always had something interesting because you never know what kids are going to say or think. Something stupid. I know. I find that so funny that you wrote about a kid's birthday party, but you hate children. I mean, it's not a... It's it's not like a happy kid's birthday party. Right, but still, it's still about kids. I don't hate children. I just hate a lot of things about them. Yeah, I don't know. You're funny. So. I don't know. This one is really hard to talk about just because, like, it's such a simple story, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> and, like, I didn't, I mean, I want, I guess, like, because there's a lot of like relationship dynamics going on in the story and it was hard because we have talked before where it's like you you can allow your readers to read between the lines and you don't have to always spell things out for them and I think that I 
don't know if I left enough to the imagination or too much to the imagination. I mean, it's always a good thing, I think, to act like your audience is smarter than you yeah. think they are. Otherwise, you're going to... So in the, the masterclass, Aaron Sorkin talked about a movie where, and you've told this to me before, where it's the lawyer walking the client up to the courtroom and they do a quick, here's what you can expect. And the audience doesn't know, but that rings totally false to them. And they're thinking, whether consciously or not, like, this is stupid. Like, why? The author, or the, the lawyer clearly had these meetings with their client. They prepared them mm-hmm. way before this moment. And so they might not consciously think about it, but it totally does ring false. So I think there's something to assuming that they're smarter. I think the, the I would rather be on that end of the spectrum. Like I assume yeah. they're smarter than they are. Because remember I was writing the, um, the, the dream killer story and I put in a courtroom scene thinking I was, you know, setting up the, the story really great. And you're like, yeah, we've seen a bunch of courtroom scenes. We know what happens in them. Yeah. And that's all exposition. And it's not the heart of the story. It's it's way before the setup of that story. And so putting yeah. it in there just, it doesn't really help. So I, I think your instincts to basically to, to share less are probably right on. Yeah. And it's always interesting because like sometimes you forget because you know everything in your head mm-hmm. and you forget like what, like where's the line between like what you know in your head and mm-hmm. all those, like, in between the lines, all those blanks are filled in because you're creating it and, like, what's actually being put on a page. Yeah. Which is why you have other people read it. But For sure. Do you think that part of that is because you wrote it so quickly? Yeah, and I think, like, there wasn't a lot of time for me to sit and be like, okay, am I being too obvious? Am I being too vague? Like, that kind of thing. And it was just a – it was a lot shorter – yeah, then yours, I, yours have been pretty long, or at least longer yeah. than mine. I mean, it's the word. It's not. It's like a seven hundred word count difference from the other ones, but like it just not as much happens. Mm-hmm. So, did you intentionally try to? Because remember, we had that whole conversation about the death in a small town and how I was trying to overly complicate things. Did you yeah. intentionally think I'm going to write something simplistic, or is that just kind of what came out? And you were like cool I like it you know let's go for it oh I think it was a sim like if the, the prompt was just simplistic by nature yeah you know like I mean you can like if you can write a grand fantasy story about a popsicle and an everyman but it just felt more natural to be simple and I think I wanted to to go simpler just because I had had these big high stakes stories before and I wanted to just put my writing more on display rather than aliens and goblins. Mm-hmm. Do you think that like you use it as a chance to sort of like build up skills or to showcase your skills or like to say I think that? Both. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely good practice. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I mean, sometimes you read a book and especially in like literary fiction where you can tell that the author is just trying to be like, look at me, look at these beautiful sentences where all my adjectives and I didn't want to do that either because mm-hmm. you can tell when they're just being like, hey, I'm I great. write. Yeah. Because this definitely can be overkill. And sometimes I'm like, okay, like you're allowed to just be like, I 
sat down instead of like I lowered my body onto the some of that I think is voice and some of it I think is like you overwrite to try and compensate when you're first learning how to write Mm -hmm. yeah overwriting is definitely a thing yeah because I I have written very long wordy sentences that just don't need to be there and actually in college I when I was writing my honors thesis I had a professor talk to me and say like you need to vary your sentence length. And I hadn't even thought about it before. I was just mm-hmm. like, I'm writing how I write. And he was like, yeah. well, this other character is going to be pretty punchy and and not have a lot of time to talk. So try writing those sentences a lot shorter. And I think yeah. I took it way in the other direction and was like, every sentence now needs to be short. <laughs> you know, and so there's a there's a fine line between that, I think. I don't know. It's It's an art. And what's really nice, I think, is that we – we learn it the more we do it, right? Like now there aren't pieces, even nonfiction, essays, anything that I write still has my voice in it some way, shape, or form. You know, it sort of feels like it's that elusive, like how do you define voice? But I know it when I hear like a piece by me, when I read a piece that I've written. I don't know. Yeah. I just sort of feel like it's it's there in the way that I structure sentences. I also feel like this prompt inherently asks to be written by about a child or by a child with a child in it because of the whole popsicle thing. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you were going to take it with a, like, because the motherly theme. Do you... Oh, it's there. Yeah, <laughs> Don't yeah. worry. Well, I know. It's I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. Of course it is. But do you, like... Is that something you consciously do or is you, are you just like mothers? I don't sit down and be like, I want to write. It just always comes back to that. It's very strange. I mean, it's got to be something psychological like with your mom or something. I don't think mine is, is about my mom. No? No, I don't. Where do you think it comes from? I don't know. I think it's my like, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Like my own... I don't know how to word it because it's not maternal instinct. I don't like, have I don't... like non desire for children. Like you lack. A... I think it has a lot to do with like lacking that maternal desire. Yeah, interesting. But I feel like my writing has a whole bunch of maternal instinct. Totally, totally. And I don't. Maybe that's the only place that it shows up. Maybe. Maybe, maybe I don't that's know. That's it. That's interesting. It's very weird. It's very weird. I mean, I love it. I like the the maternal side of your stories really comes through very well so yeah but like why who knows I don't think you have to analyze it that's just my instinct like why do I write about middle-aged men I don't know because you are one thanks for listening to this episode of a story that works for all the past episodes the show notes or to connect visit a story that works.com if you'd like to support the show click subscribe and leave us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts as always keep writing (laughs) 